so much more. I'm Jody Nisnik. This is a podcast designed to help you create space for God. Jesus and some of his last words found in John 16, 12 stated, there is so much more I want to tell you. He then pointed to the spirit as the one who would come, who would further his teaching by bringing his word to life for us. So much more creates space for God to reveal his truth through his word. Today, I'm excited to have Rebecca George with me. She is the host of the Radical Radiance podcast, where listeners are equipped to blend what they love with the Jesus who makes them shine. She's also a speaker, a writer, a career coach, and a podcast interview coach. So welcome, Rebecca. I'm so delighted to have you on the podcast today. Thanks, Jody. I'm so excited to be with you. This is going to be so fun. Yes, I think it will be. You know, I gave a little list of things that about who you are, but why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I am a pastor's wife, so I'll start there. My husband and I serve here in South Mississippi. We've he's been here for about six years. I've been here for about two and a half. That's how long we've been married. And yeah, I lead our podcast community, Radical Radiance. And that's something that I'm just so passionate about equipping women to walk fully into their calling and radiate the heart of Jesus in everything that they do in their life, their work, their relationships. And so I just love having conversations and creating resources and one day writing books. I'm writing my first one now that will help equip women in that way. So that's really my heart. And I love diving into scripture. I love things like this. And so when you reached out, I was really excited to do this because I've never, I've never done imaginative prayer. This was really awesome. So I just love what you're doing and so glad that God, um, crossed our paths and I'm excited about today. I am too. I was reflecting before we started the podcast, just what a sweet gift you have been. Mm -hmm. Um, Rebecca and I haven't known each other very long and yet God has, um, shown me through the few interactions that we've had, just what a sweet heart that you have for the Lord, for other women. Mm -hmm. And, um, and you are a fierce cheerleader for other women. And I think that is a beautiful gift. And I'm just, I'm really excited to have you here and to introduce you to, the listeners of the so much more podcast. So thanks for being here. It's super fun. Mm, I've already said that. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So, um, before we dive into the conversation and hear where the Lord led you and some of the things that he's doing in your life right now, I want to remind us about the passage. Um, I'm not going to go into the context. We did that in the last podcast, uh, but I do want to read it for you. And so let me do that now. This is a reading of Genesis 42 verses one through 11. When Jacob learned that there was grain in Egypt, he said to his sons, why do you keep looking at each other? He continued, I have heard there is grain in Egypt. Go down and buy some for us so that we may live and not die. Then 10 of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain from Egypt, but Jacob did not send Benjamin, Joseph's brother with the others because he was afraid that harm might come to him. So Israel's sons were among those who went to buy grain, for there was famine in the land of Canaan also. Now Joseph was the governor of the land, the person who sold grain to all its people. So when Joseph's brothers arrived, they bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. As soon as Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them, but he pretended to be a stranger and spoke harshly to them. Where do you come from? He asked. 
from the land of Canaan, they replied, to buy food. Although Joseph recognized his brothers, they did not recognize him. Then he remembered his dreams about them and said to them, you are spies. You have come to see where our land is unprotected. No, my Lord, they answered, your servants have come to buy food. We are all the sons of one man. Your servants are honest men, not spies. So we did this passage as an imaginative prayer, and I invited you to just kind of let this scene come to life uh, in your, your mind, especially in reading too. So Rebecca, tell us a little bit about that journey and that second reading where you were kind of letting things come, you know, be painted in your mind's eye. What, what did that look like to you and feel like, what did you notice? Yeah. Well, you know, I kind of went back a little bit before I read through the passage and just got right a little bit of context of where we've came from. Right. So Pharaoh has just put Joseph in charge of the land of Egypt. So important detail. Right. So he is the governor of the land where he sells grain. So we kind of find all of that out in um, in this passage. And so as I I read through it a second time. I'm a big underliner, especially if I'm doing anything like this. I've got a highlighter and a pen. And so I think for me, this this exchange with his brothers is really where I settled in on like that very moment um, where they saw one another. And Joseph's response is where the Lord really kind of drew me to ultimately. And I just began kind of underlining some words. So in verse six, now Joseph was the governor. So I underlined governor. So he's in sort of this leadership role, right? So he's in a totally different space in his life than he was the last time he saw his brothers as a teenager, right? And so this sort of identity shift for Joseph that's where I'm headed. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And so that's where God and I kind of spent the majority of the time. Um, but sort of in those couple of verses, six and seven, where Joseph's brothers arrived, they bowed down to him and their faces to the gr- with their faces to the ground. As soon as Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them, but he pretended to be a stranger and spoke harshly to them. And, you know, I found myself really nervous for Joseph kind of that Mm. second time that I was reading through. I felt pretty angsty for him. I'm imagining even myself in encounters where maybe I haven't seen somebody that maybe, you know, I didn't have the greatest last exchange with many, many years ago or or whatever have you ran into high school ex-boyfriend. I'm just thinking of like those types of experiences that we all have in our lives. And many times when there's you know, years separating those experiences, maybe you know, everything about our lives may have, may have changed. I know for me, the last couple years of my life, if there's one word that I could use to describe this season, it is change. Everything about my life has changed over the last several years, um, with marriage and stepping in, stepping into being a pastor's wife and just so many other things. And so, as I read through the second time, what I was feeling and experiencing was just sort of this angst and kind of this nervousness for Joseph as he was kind of walking into that experience, seeing his brothers for the first time. Yeah. I, I love that. You know, it's, it's been 20 years. If you kind of, you know, walk through mm, the math yeah. and piece it all together, he was sold when he's 17. He's at least 37. He may be a little bit older. We don't know how far they're into the famine because the famine 
we get an age marker that he's 30 when he gets moved into this governorship. And so seven years of, of flourishing and then seven years of famine. So there's somewhere in that second seven years. So he's at least 37. And I think had he been looking over the horizon, wondering, are they going to come? Are they going to come? You know, everyone's starving. He knows that he knows that the, the, the famine has got to stretch to the land of Canaan where his family is. Maybe he actually doesn't, I'm, he probably doesn't really know that they're there, but I wonder, sure. you know, was he just, and so I love that you're like pulling that anxiety. Cause I start. I'm starting to actually even feel some of that right now. Yeah. Him. Me too. A little bit. Like I'm starting <laughs> to stress sweat just a tad, just thinking about it. I know. Is that funny? It, which I think is one of the beautiful things about imaginative prayer. Cause it helps us really slow down and think what would that have been like? And we relate and we do exactly what you did. I do exactly what you did where I think, okay, who would be that person for me? And all of a sudden I see them and I'm like, <gasps> what do I do? Yeah. So, yeah. So thanks for bringing that to life for us. So that's the second reading. The third reading, I invited you to let the Lord draw you to someone in the passage. So first of all, where did you go with that? I went to Joseph. Yeah. I went to Joseph and I put myself in his shoes. Like we were saying of, of just imagining myself there and, you know, the brothers are walking towards me and I know so clearly that it's my brothers and and yet I haven't seen them since I was 17 years old. And, and then I think about, okay, what was I like at 17 years (laughs) old versus 37, right? I'm not even 37 yet. So I'm even thinking what was a relationship that I had at 17 where I haven't physically seen that person since then. And maybe not as much of a negative experience, but I thought of my high school best friend Mm. who moved to the other side of the country. When we graduated high school, I have, I have talked to her and, you know, I've certainly been had more exposure to her online than Joseph would have had to his brothers in that 20 years. But I also thought about what would it even be like as sweet of a friendship as we had in that season what would it be like to see her now? And, and I think that would be so such a sweet experience. However, it's been, you know, 15 years or probably more than that. Well, something like that now, since we've seen each other. And so there would even, even though it would be a positive experience, there's sort of this angst of like, you're not the same girl I knew in high school. And I'm certainly not the woman that you knew when you were 17 years old. And so a couple of the things that Lord really kind of spoke to me as I was, I was processing through that, you know, um, his identity has shifted. So we've kind of talked about that a little bit shifted greatly since he's last spent time with his brothers. And then it says he pretended to be a stranger and he spoke harshly to them. And I actually have a lot of compassion for Joseph in that moment, because, you know, I think we have all had those moments where we meet a situation head on and we have a choice of maybe how we respond. And I think what the Lord drew me to in that is like, we all want to be known, right? Especially by our our own families. Mm -hmm. And so no matter what the, the situation happens to be, 
And one of the things the Lord spoke to me was when we don't feel known, there's this great temptation for our identity to feel kind of at stake, right? His brothers don't know, you know, what he's experienced in those 20 years since they've seen one another. And then God and I just sort of had a conversation about like, okay, Rebecca, well, when your identity feels at stake, what are some ways that maybe you've responded in the past? Yeah. Right. And so I just kind of started making a list. So when my identity feels at stake, I blank. And here was, here was some of my list. I have a greater temptation to sin and respond in maybe a way similar to Joseph. Maybe I respond harshly or, you know, I maybe have a a response similar to him. Sometimes I want to hide. Mm. Right. And it made me think of that moment. And even in the garden with Adam and Eve, when, you know, the falls just happened and God is, is, you know, in the garden with them. And is like, Adam, where are you hiding? Who told you to cover yourself with fig leaves? Right. But how many times do we in our own lives act like God isn't omniscient and omnipresent, right? We try to hide from him. Right. And so, so wanting to hide was one feeling shame was another one for Mm me when even maybe, and I think Jody, you'll relate to this some in the work that we do as writers and and podcasters. And it's a little bit of a hard world to understand if you're not in it. And so mm-hmm. sometimes I even find it hard to rekindle old friendships and, and like people want to know about your life, but it sometimes it's hard to, where's the line of like, I want to talk about my work and in an excitement of what God's doing, but also using words like agent and, and, you know, things that we have to walk through in, you know, maybe our career, sometimes it feels weird to people who aren't in it. And so sometimes I even feel shame Mm -hmm. in in those types Mm -hmm. of, um, of situations, which is, that's the whole thing we can can get into. Um, and then (laughs) trying to be somebody that I'm not, I think sometimes we do that. And even I do that in those situations or, and maybe, maybe the greatest example, and I saved it for last is just playing small. Sometimes I will just kind of make light of what God's doing in my life. Um, if I, it almost in an attempt to not make the other person feel small, you know what I mean? Am I saying that right? Like, you know, the times where say that again. Yeah. Say yeah. So playing small, almost in an attempt of, I don't want someone else to be, to feel intimidated by something. And so I'll Mm. just approach a conversation in a way of, Oh, it's, you know, it's, it's not that big of a deal or, you know, and so those were just some of the things that the Lord drew my attention to as far as ways that I might respond in a similar situation or in a situation where I feel like my identity is at stake. So that, I mean, that's a powerful list. And I think we can all identify with one, if not all of those, Yeah, (laughs) because I think there, when we, when we start to feel threatened in that way, we posture in some way. I mean, we're going to react. Um, and I like, you know, and even when you were talking about playing small, like, I feel like I do that sometimes when I know somebody's struggling perhaps with their relationship with the Lord or they're, they're wrestling with finding good time with him. And I feel like that's really rich in my life. Like, I don't want to talk about it because I feel like it's going to make them feel bad. Yes. You know, so that's where I kind of, that's, that's the kind of twist I do on it is I hide. I think the hiding thing, Mm. oh man, that that's like classic for me. And, and we, yeah. And hiding with fig leaves, come on. 
guys. Yeah. You can do better than that. <laughs> and thankfully God's like, okay, fine. You need to be covered. I'm going to, I'm going to actually give you a real covering. Um, because that's the God we serve. I mean, he, yeah. he does extravagant things for us in those moments of our vulnerabilities. He meets us and he covers us over. Um, so I love that you brought that up. So you're, you're in kind of Joseph's shoes. You're experiencing the fact that he is hiding from his brothers for a, probably a thousand reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're, you're identifying with that. Were, anything else about that scene is like, you hear the brothers talking to you, anything else that you kind of felt or experienced as you were doing that? You know, I, th- I think I kept coming back to the identity thing. Like I, um, you know, as I read that exchange, I just kept reading over and over. Although Joseph recognized his brothers, they did not recognize him. And just that I underline, you know, they did not recognize him. And just to think even, even though that amount of time had passed, I can't imagine, you know, I I'm an only child. And so I don't have siblings, but I do have cousins that I'm super close to. I, I just, I have a really, really sweet relationship with my family and I've never really went through anything similar to what Joseph had walked through, but I also can't fathom being in that situation and being forgotten. Yeah. In a way, in a sense, you know, so along with the identity thing, I think the, the idea that he was forgotten by an immediate family member, um, just again, brought me compassion for how he responded. And so there was that time with the Lord of, okay, well, how do I, how do I respond, you know, when I'm in that situation, but also I think it's one of my greatest desires in friendship and in community to make people feel known. And so I think it gave me this greater compassion for even situations where, you know, someone might feel forgotten or put to the side. Like it just gives me a lot more compassion for those Mm -hmm. types of situations. When I saw Joseph in a situation where he was forgotten by his own family yeah. The thing that keeps coming to mind is he's hiding in plain sight. Like, ah, he, that's so good. Yeah. Yeah. He's right there in front of them and they are so unsuspecting that it's him. I mean, they think he's, well, they don't know what's happened to him, but they mm-hmm. surely don't think this has happened to him. Yeah. And yeah. And I think, you know, like you were just saying, then I flip that on to how do we need to see people? Um, you know, Joseph, he's hiding from them. And I think there's, I think there's some reasons for that, that, that aren't entirely bad. I mean, he's trying to figure out who these people are. Like Mm -hmm. he knows who they are, but he's trying to figure out, are you the same brothers that threw me into a cistern and, you know, sold Mm -hmm. me as a slave or have you changed in 20 years? Like I have. Mm -hmm. And so, but I think, you know, where you're going with that too, makes me think, how do we need to lift up our head, pause long enough and see people like who, who is the spirit leading us to remember Mm. today? And what can we do? You know, is that a quick text? Is it a phone call? Is it, you know, Mm. if somebody's name pops into your head today, or while you're even listening to this right now, write it down and do something about it. Yeah. 
And Jody, I have never seen a situation where either way, somebody hasn't, you know, maybe somebody has been sensitive to the Holy spirit and has reached out to me or vice versa. And God's put somebody on my heart where God has not blessed that in some way. He is always going to use it. Our world is flipped upside down right now. And I think if God's taught me nothing in the last couple of years, he has taught me to be more sensitive to that. I even I've shared this a few times on my podcast. I realized in the middle of the pandemic, you know, we would go to the grocery store and the same girl would check me out of Kroger every single week. And I began realizing, man, I've seen her probably 27 times, but I don't know her name. I don't know if she knows Christ, but I do know she's going to spend eternity somewhere. And I have like 42 seconds every time I check out of the checkout line to make a choice to either stand there on my phone and, you know, text my mom or listen to a podcast with my earbuds in. I've that's like my ultimate I'm like the chief of sinners of that. And um, so I just began quitting some of those things and being more aware of even the micro moments of my day where people may seem forgotten, right? Like the the grocery grocery counter girl is, is a person with a soul that's going to spend eternity somewhere. And I just want to be aware of those moments where people may be forgotten around me. And so... Maybe I had the capacity to see it. Maybe it was just, it was just time for the Lord to reveal that to me. But that's something that I've been tried to be more aware of that's um, so in the pandemic and since. So, yeah, no, I, gosh, I love that. So you're getting to know little, these little moments, you're getting to know these people. And I've even had people tell me, oh, they go to the same checkout aisle on purpose mm-hmm. to be with that person. Um, you know, and I'm so transactional when I'm there, I'm like, I'm just, I'm here. I need to get done, get out of here. And yeah. I love that. Cause that's encouraging to me. And also like, slow down, be where you are, look around, see the people around you, notice them because they're so many people feel overlooked. Um, yeah, so that's, that's a good word. Thank you for encouraging us to do that. Well, um, before we move on, was there anything else in this passage or anything else about this experience that you want to share with us? Yeah, I think the other main thing would be, and I, this is one of my favorite things about God, Jody, that he's really just continued to bring back to mind over the last couple of years. I kept thinking about and just thanking God for his immutability, the fact that he doesn't change. You know, everything about our lives has shifted and changed in the midst of a pandemic and all of those things. And even, even before that, you know, I shared a little bit of my story of um, becoming a pastor's wife and getting married and moving nine hours away from everything I've ever known. Just everything about my life is different, but the sustaining foundation that I've been able to stand on in the midst of that has been God's character and the fact that he does not change. And so as I kind of recounted this experience with Joseph and, and this identity shift that he has had and, and his response and how I respond when my identity feels at stake. I just kept coming back to this heart of gratitude for the character of God, because in the midst of my identity feeling at stake in the midst of maybe moments where I feel forgotten, um, in all of those circumstances, he doesn't change. And the thing that wrecks me about that is 
I get to lay that against every other quality that I know to be true about God. Right. So he doesn't change. Well, I can lay that against his sovereignty. He doesn't change. And I can lay that against his omnipresence, his wisdom, all of those things. And if that weren't true, I don't know if I could trust him, Hmm. but I can, because I know, I know his immutability. I know that he's never going to change. And so that just really encourages my heart in the midst of a season where the world feels like it's flipped upside down. Yeah. Yeah. That's also a really good word. Thank you for sharing that. And he's, and he's the same God that was with Joseph when Joseph, when, when his brothers, you know, walked up to him, bow down to the ground, faces to the ground and say, we need food. We are starving. That is that God that helped Joseph through that. I can't even imagine how hard that situation was that God that helped Joseph through that and all the other things he helped him through being in prison and falsely accused and being sold by his, the people that should have cared for him, all of those things. He's the same God that cares for us and walks us through whatever hard situation, whatever uncertainty that we're facing, whatever upside down world event in our lives, that's personally impacting our lives. That is the God the God that walked through Joseph, Joseph through all of those things is walking through them with us too. So that's such a good word. Thank you for saying that. You know, one of the things that I really want people to hear from guests is how they create space for God in their lives, because Mm -hmm. I think we all have a different relationship with the Lord. So I'm curious for you, how do you create space? What rhythms do you do? Mm -hmm. What does that look like? I love that question. It matters so much, especially right now, as busy as we all are. And I think a challenge for me, and I I bet you can relate to this, Jody, is being in ministry, right? My husband's a pastor. I lead a group of women weekly. I do this podcast that I'm forever, you know, preparing for. And so I just rattled off a list of things that I quote, maybe do for God that have nothing to do with my personal relationship with him. Right. And so this realization of going to scripture and focusing on God's word for no other reason than to know God better is, is been transformative to my life over the last several years, especially as I've stepped into new places of ministry. And so I, I have to be a little bit, um, I have to do a little bit of compartmentalizing with that, right? Like right now I am not prepping for small group tonight. Right now I am having my time with the Lord where my phone is on the other side of the room. I'm sitting in this chair with my Bible open, my podcast equipment's on the other side of the room and I'm just with God. And I think removing the distractions is half the battle, at least Mm -hmm. for me. And so I I don't find that first thing in the morning is really my best go-to for quiet time because I have too much on my mind, but I find that if I can get to a place in my morning where I feel like I've knocked out, you know, a good bit of stuff and mentally I've got some tabs closed in my brain (laughs) enough to kind of come above the surface, Mm -hmm. I'll just, I'll just take a break at that point. And that's usually when I spend time in the word and spend time in prayer. So that's huge for me. And I would say another rhythm that really is helpful to my husband and I right now is just a Sabbath rhythm. So just with 
as busy as our lives are, you know, I'm, I'm working all the time. He has Fridays off, but I, I don't really. And so right now, Saturdays are kind of our only spot for that because as you know, Sundays are not restful for a ministry family. <laughs> and so, um, it's impossible to Sabbath on Sunday. So yep. we are real protective over even Saturday mornings, like not setting an alarm, getting up and making cinnamon rolls have been our thing lately and, um, just enjoying restful time together and more time in the word than I can get to during the week and just things like that. So I would say, you know, that differentiator of I'm going to the word just to spend time with the Lord as a ministry leader, that's huge as well as setting aside time to rest. Mm -hmm. Gosh, thank you for sharing that. Those are both really important rhythms. Are. I, and, and I love that you're also in your Sabbath, you're finding things that are delightful, like cinnamon. Rolls. Yes. That's, I, I mean, and I think God enjoys that we're enjoying. I know, sorry for all the gluten-free people. Um, but I think I, and I don't think I know God delights when we delight in yeah. the good things of the world. I mean, that's what Sabbath is supposed to be is rest and yeah. delight. And so, yeah, that's good. Well, Rebecca, this has truly been a delight. I've a delight. See, I'm going to just camp on that <laughs> word. I've been delighting in you. Uh, thank you for being on the podcast. This is really, it, it really has been great to have you. Thank you so much, friend. I loved it. Well, thanks for joining me on so much more where Jesus has so much more to say to us. And we are creating space to listen. found myself on a ledge three stories high at some condominiums contemplating my life and struggling to understand my purpose have you ever found yourself on the ledge my name is billy yant i'm a caring father mentor and friend in my new podcast billy and the goat i share the life-changing events that shaped who i am today to remind you that no matter how far you've fallen god can help you get up and thrive listen now at lifeaudio.com